Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Classroom Matters with me, your host, Christy Houle. And I am super excited to be sitting down and having a, a it's going to be a pretty interesting conversation with Dr. Stephen Soroka. Now, Dr. Sroka has spoken worldwide with the power of one message, and this is really about how one person can make a difference. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a teaser here and tell you that a few years ago, Stephen actually died while presenting a school in service. And I'm just going to leave that there. So good morning, Dr. Sroka. How are you? Well, it's really really good to be here. I'm I'm just happy to just die once and be able to come back. I know, right? I I absolutely love this story. And so I kind of want to dive right in. And that's why I wanted to give the listeners like a little teaser. They're like, I know that made everyone's head perk up when they're like, what? Wait a second. Um, So I'm glad that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. And tell us a little bit about your experience with that. When you actually literally almost died. Well, it's, um, I did die. (laughs) I I didn't have a heart attack. I had a cardiac arrest. And the what what's really interesting to me is my theory. I've gone around the world. I, I've been on Oprah. I've been on all around the world talking about the power of one. How one person can make a difference. Do you want me to go back and you want me to jump right into how I died? Or you want me to tell you how I got there? You do it whichever way is is going to okay. make the most sense. I, I think it makes a little bit more sense to talk about where where I come from. Um, I, I'm from the inner city. Um, I'm. Uh, a lot of educators can kind of relate to me because I'm the I'm the like the worst kind of student they've ever had. I grew up in the inner city. My father took off. I grew up in uh, in poverty with my mother. I, I lived in the projects. I was on welfare. Uh, we had pretty rough times. I uh, uh, I I had issues. I I got in a fight when I was young and got a crossed eye, and I, we couldn't afford glasses. Um, uh, the uh, the worst, uh, I, I, I had a speech impediment. I couldn't say my name. My name is Steve Soroka, so I called myself Mo. And in uh, kids, I still remember, and it bothers me when I go to schools today and talk to kids where the kids go like, you know, they, they call each other names. And I couldn't say my name. And the, the kid used to get in front of me and go, say your name. And, of course, I couldn't. And so I grew up with you know, with all these things going on with me, I, I pretty much didn't enjoy school at all. And in fact, we moved around quite a bit and I moved from one side of town to the other side of town. And I didn't talk like the people did on that side of town. And I actually failed the third grade. I failed the third grade at the top of my report card. The teacher wrote, parent notified boys retarded. And I mean, they wrote this right at the top of my card. The, the interesting thing is that the, uh, the teacher who wrote that I was retarded misspelled the word. That was interesting. <laughs> she wrote it with a uh, with a, a T and not a D. Um, I, I hated school pretty much. Um, I, I could not compete academically because I later found out I'm ADHD. I'm dyslexic, but don't feel bad because I'm a doctor. <laughs> All these things they told me that were bad actually turned out to be pretty good. But uh, at that time, I didn't know it. I uh, I could not compete academically, so I started to uh, shoot the rock, which on the street means basketball. Slinging the rock is drugs. I didn't sling the rock. I was shooting the rock, playing basketball, and uh, I uh, I became pretty good. I became a legend in my own mind, actually. I thought I was much better than I was. And one day, two brothers took me outside and beat me up so badly that um, they, they knocked both of the bones out of my hips, which was, that was there must have been another issue going on there. But anyhow, uh, the bones were knocked out of my hips. I was in high school, and um, 
I, I, I couldn't walk. I was in the hospital for 99 days. Uh, they had to do two procedures on me. When I talk to kids today, I often joke about I have 99 problems, but the hips weren't one. But I actually had uh, uh, two operations. I was in there for 99 days. The doctors came in, said, you know, you probably will never walk again. You better start to use your brain because your body's not going to work. And I said, how can I use my brain? And the doctor said, uh, I, I said, how can I use my brain? I said, I'm retarded. And the doctor looked at me and said, well, it's time to get unretarded. And I said, get unretarded? How, how do you get unretarded? He said, well, listen to your teachers. And that kind of changed my life right back then because I had to learn how to learn. And so I'm a very visual learner. I turn everything into pictures. When I do presentations for kids or doctors or professionals, I use um, a PowerPoint type program with literally hundreds of pictures because that's how my, my mind works. So I, I, I found the power of education by default. And, uh, and I, I went through and got a bunch of degrees. I first became a polymer chemist and then wondered about one time I woke up in the middle of the night and thought, is this the meaning of life? I'm making a lot of money, but it wasn't. And I thought about my early background in school and how I hated it. And I just had one of those moments where I woke up and said, you know, maybe I can go back and help people. And I literally took a 60% cut in pay from being a polymer chemist and went back and started to teach inner city schools and uh, never looked back from that point. And for 30 years, I, I, I taught and I've been very, very blessed. I've got all incredible amounts of awards of uh, Teacher of the Year, uh, National Teachers Hall of Fame. I got literally hundreds of awards. But I only say that like this, Chrissy, because I know the best teachers in the world never get awards, nor do they want them. My wife is a teacher. She's a better teacher than I've ever been. She's never gotten an award. She's much better than I am. So when I say these award things, I, 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 they're important to me. But I know that many there's a lot of people out there that are a lot better than me and never got awards. And, and I think people need to know that just because you won an award doesn't mean you're not a really bad teacher. Anyway, I did this for a bunch of years. And um, I went back and, uh, and I got a bunch of degrees. I got a degree so I could be a principal or a superintendent. But that was never the same to me. I just I wanted to go back and I've always stayed in the classroom. And I went back and I dealt with adolescent health behaviors like sex and drugs and violence before they were fashionable or even funded. Back in the day, it was hard to get money for sex education, drug education, violence education, and not till a lot of rich, see, I taught inner city. It wasn't until a lot of the rich kids started to die that we got concerned about drugs and diseases. And, you know, you know I mean, it's sad, Columbine is sad, but, you know, those of us that worked in the inner city, we were burying kids for years. And my message today is any kid that dies is important. And, and so I, I always come with that prejudice because I, I've worked with kids who didn't have a lot. And, you know, whether it was sex or drugs or violence, and now it's heroin. Heroin was always a problem in the urban area, the narcotics. But now that it's hitting people that are more affluent in the suburbs, people are all more excited. And I'm kind of an advocate for, I guess the way I think is any if you think one kid is more important than another kid in this world, then that's a basic issue I have with you because I think every kid is important. None of us had a chance to choose who our parents were. Anyhow, I did this for a bunch of years. I wrote a lot of books, got a lot of awards, and became like a, a renowned speaker. And I literally traveled the world, been on all the big talk shows. And I, and I followed the, 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 the trends to try to help people, help young people deal with what's going on. My basic message throughout the years has been the power of one because I always thought I was the power of one. I mean, here's a skittle rat 
who's now a highbrow intellectual because of education. And he did it by himself. I mean, I'm just, and so when people talk about resilience and education, hey, hey, I'm that guy. I lived that life. And so I went through and talked about the power of one. And I, and I still believe that one person can make a real big difference. Uh, but what happened is uh, I was doing a lot of this stuff and, and, and having great times. I trained, you know, I trained, I, I worked with kindergarten kids. I worked with high school kids. I worked with doctors. I teach at a medical school now. I work with teachers. I've gone around the world with the power of one message. Well, three years ago, I was talking about one of the biggest trends right now, heroin, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a nice suburb uh, in Cleveland. Um, and I had a cardiac arrest. And it's kind of strange because I know you can't see me, but I'm in pretty good shape. I don't drink. I work out every day. I worked out the night before. I had a stress test a month before. I was in excellent health. The only problem I made, Christy, was I, I chose the wrong parents. I mean, just being facetious here. I got, I got a, um, I got a heart uh, disease, probably just genetically. But until they go in your heart, they really can't tell it. So here I am. I'm kicking it in front of 800 people, and my presentations are always real wild. I do crazy things. I get people excited, move around. I show a lot of pictures. They never know what to expect because you know you gotta, as the kids say, you gotta keep it real. You gotta kick it with a flavor so that people understand and feel, not just see and look, but to feel what's going on. So I'm kicking it out there. It's going really, really well. And all of a sudden, I don't remember a thing. I just had a cardiac arrest. I coded. I went right down, hit the ground so hard. I probably had a concussion. I got a briefly now. I don't remember any of this. So I'm hanging over the stage. The people tell me later that when I fell over, People in the audience started clapping. They were going, wow, this is cool. Now, I don't remember this because I was out. They thought this was part of the show. I was so blessed that day because I really shouldn't be here today. I was so blessed that day that in the audience, when I went down and people started clapping, thinking this was cool, there were two SROs there. There were two school resource officers who were trained, and they knew when I went down, I wasn't playing. And when they were on me. Literally within probably 30 seconds, cutting my clothes off, trying to get to me. I mean, the week before, Christy, I was in Putacana. I could pretty much say I would have been dead if I, this happened down there. But I'm in front of 800 people. I go down. The two officers are on me. That is just such a blessing. Other blessing, even maybe a bigger blessing, is the principal of the school uh, was trained two weeks before with an AED. So literally, the AED was outside the room, and he was able to run out and get that. So they were probably on me with, within a minute. Just incredible. Um, and, and, and what happened is that, um, and I don't remember any of this, but they were on me. Um, they evacuated the school. Uh, the, the superintendent lo- later told me that. He said it was pretty wild. He said every year at our in-service where you were at, about 40 or 50 teachers go on and do a prayer circle. They just do this every year. They pray for a good school year. He said that day when they evacuated the hall, everybody went outside and saw this group of 40 or 50, and they went over and joined it. And he said, you know, there was probably 800 people. He said, every person in our school joined that prayer circle for you, and we're praying for you. And even when I tell you the story, I, I get I get kind of like the, the goosebumps because he said, he said you had to see it. Everybody was out there praying and all I can tell them is, I, I guess it worked, you know, because I'm still here. Uh, but what happened is um, 
I was close to the Cleveland Clinic. I was in Medina, Ohio, so I was really, really blessed. Close to the Cleveland Clinic, which is probably the best place in the world to have a, a cardiac arrest, because uh, yeah, they're the one, probably the number one heart place in the in the country to go for health, heart problems. Uh, so they 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 life flighted me to the, the the Cleveland Clinic, and literally on that life flight, my my whole life changed. I'm on the life flight. I'm dying. I'm in and out of reality. The people there are telling me, "Relax." The docs on there are going, "Relax. You're going to be okay." And I'm in and I'm dying. I I I I'm just back and forth. I don't know what's going to happen, and I can't relax. I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I if I relax, I'm dead. And one of the things that I often do when I go out and talk with kids or with adults or with doctors is I often start off with a mantra. I just call it, I have people repeat after me going, my body, my choice, I'm not your toy. I am the power of one. It's about taking control of your life. I have people repeat it. Kids love it. And even for an adult, that makes a lot of sense. It's my body. It's my choice. I'm not your toy. I am the power of one. I've done that around the world. Kids love it. They put that mantra up on schools and places. My body, my choice, I'm not your toy, I'm the power of one. And so this really works well when you're trying to empower kids to take control of their life. And, and even for adults where you can't let somebody else manipulate you with their words. Otherwise, you're not the power of one. Anyhow, I'm dying there. I'm laying there and I'm going, hey, I'm this motivating guy. I'm dying. How can I save my own life? And I started thinking, well, yeah, I do this power of one thing. So I start going, I, I'm mumbling there. I'm going, my body, my choice, my, my body, my choice. And then it just dawned on me, Christy, I'm not the power of one. I've gone through the world telling people about the power of one. I'm not the power of one. And you know what? If this crew on this helicopter doesn't get it together and stay with me, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I need the power of many. And it just dawned on me. And I mean, I know it doesn't sound right, but it, never, it dawned on me. I was never the power of one. I've gone around the world talking about the power of one and how I made this and how I did that. And the more I thought about it, I was always on somebody else's shoulders. There was always somebody, there was always a teacher, a social worker, a family member that was always holding me up and keeping me going. But being a ghetto rat, like I am, I'm from the ghetto. You can take the boy out of the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of the boy. It's hard for people to believe, like people like me, when I was growing up, I could never say thank you. Because when you grow up, a lot of times like I did, saying thank you is a sign of weakness, not a sign of strength. So I went through life thinking it was all me. It was all me. And it just dawned on me, here I am. I was never the power of one. I've been the power of many. And it just went through my mind that I was so saddened by the fact that here's all these people that helped me. And I now realize what they meant to me. And I'm never going to have a chance to go back and tell them what they meant to me because of what they did for me. And I think that's such a powerful message for educators today because they go out and go, you know, I'm working with these kids. They don't really care. My teachers don't care. And a lot of times people like me, we do care, but we don't know how to tell you thank you. And so, you know, you go through life saying, yeah, I went out there. I tried. They didn't appreciate me. They made fun of me and all that. Some of these people are going to turn into Steve Sorokas. At the end of their life, they're going to look back and go, wow, that person really, really made a difference with me. And I never had a chance to thank them. And, and that's me. I never thanked all the people that helped me. 
I was never the power one. I was always the power of any. But we so need- you literally changed your mantra. So so you're 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 on the stage, you're having a great time, you collapse, you're on the life flight, in and out of life, reality, and you literally changed your mantra in those moments. That's right. That's, that is amazing. So what did you do once you were back in reality and you knew that you were stable? What did you, did you go back? Did you go back and say thank you? Did you take steps to change the way that you had done things? Or you know, was it something that was sort of fleeting in the moment and then once you were better, it was passing? How, how did that change you? Well, it changed me a lot. First of all, the sad part is that many of the people that meant so much to me that I never realized how much it meant to me, they're, they're past. They're not around anymore. Of course, the people that that made a lot, you know, what's funny right now because of social media and that many students that I had 30, 40 years ago are now friends with me. And, you know, I get a chance, they, 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 they come back and they hear about me and, you know, they always thought I was a cool teacher and everything. And they're telling me about how much I changed their lives. And I get a chance to go back and tell them how much they changed my life. <laughs> you know, the things that they taught me as I was trying to teach them. So I get a chance to do a little bit about that. I do a lot with Native Americans. And, you know, and a lot of times your life just kind of gels. I've worked with Native Americans for decades. I actually, I, I'm very blessed. I get a chance to keynote. I'm going to be keynoting a couple of their national conferences this year. But we have a saying on the res that goes like this. You have the power of one to start a fire, but you need the power of many to keep that fire burning. And, you know, that's just completely in sync with, with my life, too. Yeah, I've got the power of one to start a fire. But I, in fact, with Native American conferences, what we do with kids, I've been very blessed and had the chance to work with thousands of Native American youth at one time, although I do this anywhere, but it it really started in Indian country, is when we start off a conference, we start off, we build a fire at a conference, it's traditional with Native youth, we build a fire, and then we tell the kids, we're going to be here for three or four days, there's no way that I or someone else can watch the fire, we have to share this fire and take care of it, so we literally have the kids sign up. So some kids might have to watch the fire from 12 midnight to three in the morning. But it's a great takeaway message that you do have the power when to start the fire, but you need the power of many to keep that fire going. And, and Christy, this is a beautiful message for schools because every teacher is important, but every kid doesn't have just one teacher. You know, every teacher needs a principal. They need a school site. They need student support. You know, you need, you know, we, we, you know, we, we talk a lot about schools today, but really, there's so, you know, schools just reflect community. We don't have school violence. We have community violence that takes place in school. So we have to look better, look outside. When I go to schools, they, I'll do programs for schools, but I say, you know, we need a comprehensive approach that involves what I call, because I see things in pictures. I see education as a four-legged chair, where one is a student, one's a school, one's a family, and one's a community. If you, if you take one leg away from a chair, it's going to fall over. And it's the same thing with education. We cannot do this by ourselves in schools. And I, I get really upset when people say our schools are failing us. Hey, we're one of the four legs out there. Let's, let's get serious here. We are all together here. Yeah, we're the power of one in the school, but without the power of the other three legs, we can't do it. So I, 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 I look at things a little bit differently. Um, I go out, I think my big charge, and I'm just blessed. I don't know why, but when I get up and speak, people listen. I'm not a professional speaker. I'm not a Toastmasters. I've never had a professional speaking training. I, I just go up and I fire from the heart. 
but I'm really, really blessed. And people always ask me, how long are you going to keep on doing this? And I just say, you know, the day I get up and I start to talk and no one listens, <laughs> my time is up, you know, but, but, but right well, now. And I think that that's what, I think that that is what makes your message so genuine. And I was lucky enough to see that when we were at the, um, the MAEN conference together and you were the keynote speaker and I was able to hear a little bit of your um, your keynote and and the the audience they were so engaged and I think that that is what makes your message so powerful is how genuine you are and you know yeah we've seen keynote speakers and professional development where someone gets up and talks from a PowerPoint and, you know blah 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 and everyone's taking notes but it's really truly coming from your heart and from a place that you've been, because you've, you've been through a lot. I mean, I've, I've, I've read some of your stuff. I've obviously know a lot about your background. And I mean, I've seen pictures of you in a wheelchair and all of these things that happened to you. And I think in, in, in schools today, we some, sometimes have this victim mentality. Um, it's the world's against me, you know, the teacher's against me. And so how do you help students that are going through that or, you know, sort of see the other side of it or say, hey, you know, it, it could be a lot worse or here's how you can help your situation. How do you sort of help students get through some of the tough times that they're going through? Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words, because I do think I'm a different kind of speaker out there. There are motivational speakers that make you laugh and make you cry. And then they then you wonder why, because they didn't say anything. It's <laughs> very true. And then you've got the other people that are just incredibly knowledgeable, but they can't tell it in a way that you can, they can't kick it with a flavor. You can't remember what's going on. And so my, my, my charge is to somehow work between the two. To me, the key in life is relationships. If you can't relate, nothing else matters. And relationships can be built. Now, some people are charismatic leaders. I mean, they just, you just feel, but I think there are things that are important. So what makes me different than a lot of these speakers is I am research-based, but I'm, I'm reality-driven. So when I tell you my stuff, it's based on research. It's just not something I feel. This is I, I, I can give you the research for what I do, but I've kicked it in reality. I, I Every time I get in front of a bunch of kids and have to speak, I have to prove myself. It's not like I, I, I wrote a song or, or did a picture and people can say, look at that picture. i got to stand up and prove myself every time I speak. It's kind of like NMN says in his song, Lose Yourself. i got to get up. i got to kick it. i got to get to their heart to get to their head. I think what we have to do, and we don't do enough of this, is, you know, we call it social and emotional learning today, but getting to know a person. And I think it's about relationships. And my research and my reality tells me that there are like four things you really have to tune in if you want to build better relationships with your peers, with your family, with, with, with other students. And the four C's are, first of all, communication. If you can't tell me what I just said, you don't know what I said. We got to learn how to communicate in a way that people can understand. The second C is collaboration, realizing I can't do my job by myself, just like you today in your studio there. You need some help from somebody else. Collaboration is important to relate. The third one is culture. You got to be able to kick it with a little flavor today. You can't give a wake up call in a foreign language. People going on telling kids, just say no. For many kids, just say no is just say yes. Just like when a kid says that's really bad or that's really sick, that means it's really good and cool. So you got to understand the culture you're working with. And 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 today um, we have a lot of problems with people trying to understand other people and not trying to understand where they're coming from. And the last one, the last big C is, is caring because as we all know, if people don't think that you care about them, they don't care what you have to say. 
But I, I, I think this, that what we're doing, I, I'm, I'm hitting that out there today. I think when I talk to adults that you're going to make a difference out there, I, 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 for teachers especially, is I say we need the three Ps. Uh, we need passion. The number one thing you bring to a classroom or a principal brings to the school is passion. You can feel that. The second is pride. There is nothing, Christy, there is nothing, nothing more important in this world than helping save and raise our kids. I mean, that is powerful. I mean, being a, a teacher, a preacher, a parent, it, nothing gets more important than that. But then you have to have a third P in there, and that's persistence because it just doesn't happen overnight. So when I get called in, people always say, well, what can we do? I say, well, this is what I can do, but here's what you got to do. So I've got the three Ps for adults, but I've got the three Fs for, for, for kids. And, and again, this is asset development, but I'm kicking it with a flavor in a way that people can understand with the three Fs. Every kid to make it today needs the most important thing is a family that will love unconditional, whether or not it's biological. A family. And many times our schools become families because of what's happening to our kids. The second F that's so important for our kids are their friends. You tell me who your posse is, I will tell you who you are. We've got to give our kids a better circle of friends. Uh, that's just the way it works. That's why people move to give their kids a better chance. And the third F, although you can't say it, we all know it, kids need a faith. They need to believe in something. They need a moral compass. And, you know, I don't care what religion you are. As long as you don't want to kill me, we are cool, okay? Mm -hmm. Family, friends, and faith are incredibly important. I think when I go out to deliver my messages, I have, I, 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 I lose all these numbers because that's how I think. But the three H's are so important out there when I go and work with kids. And I think people need, if you're going to work with kids or teachers today, you need the three H's. The first one is honesty. And today we are not putting out a lot of honesty in education. We tell kids like things like, believe and you can achieve. If it was that simple, I wouldn't have to work. Education's hard. And, you know, we can help people, but we have to be honest with our kids. They do the, they see the, do the crap. Why do inner city kids in most, I, I, I spoke for the Council of Great City Schools. In the 80 largest systems in this country, over half the kids drop out of school. Hey, what's up with that? Maybe our, our education should be a little bit more relevant. I think another really important thing is humor. Humor lets you break down the walls of denial and fear and complacency, but humor that makes you laugh with people, not at people. And then perhaps the most important thing, and I've often been called the deliverer of, of, the deliverer of, of hope, but hope is really important because, I mean, I know this sounds simplistic, but it isn't. If you have hope, why do you need dope? You really don't. If you have something to live for, why do you want to take it to another reality? So I think honesty and humor and hope go really, really far in trying to help kids learn today. And uh, and those are the kind of things that I try to hit the people with. Unfortunately, today, today we've gone, you know, everybody wants to talk about facts and knowledge, but I think facts without feelings are fruitless. And I think until we get to the whole child, and I love that concept, and by the way, I know it's really big now, but I'd like to pride myself, and I believe I did the very first whole child conf uh, conference for ASCD back in 2005 in San Francisco. We talked about the whole child, social emotional learning, moving behind the, beyond the academic to the, to the, to the, the, the total child, the, the social, the emotional, the spiritual. And when they asked me to do that, I said, I don't mind doing that 
keynote on the whole child as long as I can bring four whole childs with me. And I did that keynote with four high school students. And it was it was wonderful because we had a chance to look at the whole child perspective from the whole child, which is pretty, pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty blessed. I mean, I, 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 I'm not in a speaker bureau, um, so you won't see my name. I know people hear me in Indian country. We have a saying that the best way to advertise is through moccasin marketing. Let someone else carry a message. So I travel the world like other people telling other people about me. I'm not like I say. I, I do have a website, you know, and uh, I, you know, and I have social media, but I, I do not have a speaker bureau. I, and I, and I, I'm just kind of going where I need to go. But I've been so blessed. Mm-hmm. I, I've keynoted most of the high profile conferences in this country, and so I, I feel really, really blessed. I feel my, my message re- resonates, and I'm blessed because it works with kids, it works with adults, it works with everyone. Because it's about it's about making everybody a better person and letting them know how important they are. And when you know, I, I think we have the power one to change the world. But when we get the power of many, we will we will change the world. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> speaking about the power of many, why do you think that we have the national teacher shortage that we have? Because I mean, we're going into some times where there there's some school districts really struggling to even start the school year with enough teachers. Well, I can tell you why. Uh, I'm from a family of educators. My wife's a teacher. My two daughters are teachers. My other daughter's a school site, urban environments. You know, I know no one wants to hear this, but in many schools, our schools are war zones. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out of control. I mean, um, you know, no one. Do you think really- that teachers are dealing with more things than what they originally thought they were signing up for? You know, colleges are pathetic today. They're teaching how to teach. They're not teaching how to survive. And right. Yeah, I think that's a huge I would agree with that. Yeah, and you know, and, and many, and, and not to put them down, but many of these people teaching colleges and teaching you how to teach have never taught themselves. And why haven't they changed that? I mean, because this, you know, the conversation that I'm having with you, this isn't the first time that that's been brought up, that the the universities are not really preparing teachers for what they're going to walk into. So why is that not changing? Um, it's hard to change big establishments right now. I can tell you right now, the calls I get reflect what teachers want. I would say the biggest problem in the country right now in schools is discipline. The yeah. kids just, and the, this, right behind that is motivation, where kids should learn, but they're not learning out there today. Uh, and, and, and so uh, an issue that's just not just enough is I don't think we have school problems as much as we have parent problems. And when you're sending a kid to school and say, do what you want with them because I can't control them, you know, or I can't make my kid do that homework or, you know, how can, you know, my you know, parents have to step up, you know, and, 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 and what, what I see, we have to teach parents how to, you know, most of the problems I see, I, I, I see more parent problems. You know, I, just to be real, I go into a middle school, high school program about all the things I deal with, sex and drugs and violence a lot of times, although I talk about learning and taking care of yourself and stuff like that. But when I go into these, and this is going to sound crude, but when I go in and I see the mamas looking hotter than the daughters in high school, mm-hmm. I got a problem with that, you know, because I, who, who are these kids looking up to? You know, where, where is their value system? You know, I used to think that these kids in the inner city were so poor because they only had one parent. I work in these suburbs right now where kids literally have no parents. And it was brought home by me in a very rich suburb in California. 
and I'm talking to these kids, and this girl comes. I do my presentations. I say, anybody want to talk a little bit? I'll stick around. And I go one on one. Sometimes it goes for hours. Kids just want to chat, and this one girl comes. And she's just looking beautiful. She looks like a movie star. And I just said, she comes and says, I have nothing. She starts crying. I go, you have nothing. I look like a movie star. Look at you. And she says, Well, I have. Oh yeah, I live in a fancy house, and I got a new car, and I got these clothes, but I have no parents. I said, What happened to them? And she, I said, did they die? She said, well, no, but they're always working. Mm-hmm. And she said, I, I, I said, wait a minute, let's just back up. What would you really like to have your mom or dad do? I wish they would take me fishing. I said, why don't you ask them? I, she said, I do. They don't have the time. So a lot of times you look out and you look at these kids, and the kids that you think are doing so well may not. Do I have time to tell you another quick story? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm on an Indian reservation. Yeah, and in the middle of nowhere, I'm talking to like 12 kids in this whole high school. And the kids were great. I get done speaking, and a young uh, middle school, high school girl comes up and says, and I gave her a little hug because I always do this thug double hug thing that that, uh, that a gang member taught me because it's from the heart. And uh, and then uh, I gave her a little wristband. I got a power one wristband. I don't sell anything with a power one, but I give wristbands away for people that hear my message so they can carry the message on. And uh and she asked for my card. She's like, can I email you? And 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 about a week later, I get an email from her. And it's it's a, it's an email that runs on a little bit. She says, thanks for coming to my school. I just want to let you know, you probably saved my life today because when I woke up, I was thinking about killing myself. She said, my life has been hell. She said, my father raped me when I was five. And she said, I, they took me away and I went with my uncle who was an alcoholic. I moved, I moved. She said, I got up that morning. She said, I looked in the mirror. I felt like shit. She said, I just looked, how can a father rape a little girl? And she said, I came to school and you were there and, and you gave me that hug and you gave me that wristband and, and you made me feel good. And and, and, and she said, you know, I, I want to let you know, there are, most people don't know my story. And even in my school, most people don't know my story. But she said, you know, there are people like you that come into my life who keep me going. And she said, I just want you to know. And she ended her email, Christy, with me saying, you must be the voice. For kids like me who don't have the strength to cry for help. And every time I tell you, I say I got the goosebumps because we have kids out there. The squeaky wheel always gets the grease. We have so many kids that need somebody that can give them kindness and treat them with respect and tell them they're important and, you know, give them good feelings out there. And a lot of times we go to these communities and you say, well, this is a well-to-do community. They, I'm telling you, these kids are hurting more and sometimes these poor kids in the inner city, the kids in the suburbs will also say, I wish I could live in, in the city because these kids can sing and dance and out here we have to put a show on and do what our dads and parents want us to do to run the family business. So I just think a big thing is just listening to our kids and listening about where they're at. You know, this year, what it's become more important. I've, I've traveled the world doing sex and drugs and violence because those are the big issues. But the issues this year in all the big surveys, asking kids what are their biggest problems, it's anxiety and depression. You know, you're only as pretty as you feel. And for some reason, we talk about facts rather than feelings. And I think maybe we need to turn things around. I, I know from talking to kids that I taught 30 years ago, they forgot the Pythagorean theory. They forgot all the anatomy I taught, but mm-hmm. they never forgot the way I made them feel. And they tell me that. And I just think that has to be part of our education because if you want to get to the head, you got to go through the heart. But you don't ever get to the heart going through the head, you know? So I think that's just huge. 
That's right. And and I want to end on that, Dr. Sroka. And I want to I want to remind our listeners, our, our educators, our teachers, um, principals, superintendents, all of those that are listening to this podcast. Get to know your kids. Get to know the people around you. Love on them. Um, don't forget about the academics because we know that's important, but don't forget about the relationship piece either. Uh, Dr. Sroka, I can't thank you enough. Um, the impact that you are making on on people is vital for the society that we all want to live in. So thank you so much for coming on the Classroom Matters podcast this morning. Uh, hopefully you can come back and, and fill us in on, on how things are going soon. Well, if I could just say this, I'm uh... I have a lot more stories. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to come back. And, and if anybody likes, they can go to my website because I post a lot of stuff up. I've written a lot of, I've written over 20 books. Uh, Christy, I'm not trying to sell any books. Now I write articles and I post them and I keep the copyright. So anything that I post on my website, like things I put for ASCD and national organizations, if anybody wants them, they are theirs because I kept the Where copyright. can they find those at? Give us your website. My website is just my name. It's uh, www, then it's Dr. Stephen Soroka. So it says www.drstephensroka.com. And if you forget that, if you just Google Power One Dr. Steve, you'll find me. Well, thank you so much. And uh, listeners, we will also have this information in the description below. Uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of Classroom Matters. With me, your host, Christy Hool. We will see you next time.